Hello. Good evening. It's going to be so fun. Um, here we are. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that being like my head headline, but probably great. It's good. Um, so this evening is the last in our series of weeks that we've been doing about truth and lies. And tonight we're looking at truth and lies in culture. And what are the lies that we can see in culture that we can counteract with the truth of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is? So I hope that it's going to be um, an exciting evening because God always wants to set us free and to bring us into his truth. Um, I'd like to start, though, with a little quiz. If, you were at, if you're in my small group and you were there on Wednesday, you can't enter the quiz. Um, but the rest of you can. We like to go very deep spiritually in our small group, but we also like to play games. Um, so this Wednesday, we had a games evening, and one of the games we played, everyone had um, little cards with a series of questions on, and you pick one of the questions. It's a multiple-choice question, and everyone has to guess what you think. And if you can guess what everyone thinks, then you get the most points. Um, I was terrible at the game in two ways, not even just one way. So I didn't get anyone else's right, but moreover, everyone got me totally right. So <laughs> there's no mystery. Um, but here you go. If you know me well enough, then you might get this right. But, or if you're a sensible person, you might guess the same as me. So here's the quiz. This was my first question. If I had a holiday home, where would I want it to be? A, a five-bedroom treehouse, B, an underwater mansion, or C, a spaceship? Hmm, some good options there. Do, do, do you want me to say them again? And then we're going to have a vote. Okay, so A, treehouse, B, underwater mansion, C, spaceship. I'm trying to stay like deadpan here, so you, I'm not giving anything away. Um, so votes for A, treehouse. A lot of people. If you were here this morning, don't cheat, Becky. It's fine. <laughs> Stop it. Um, okay. B, um, underwater mansion. Yeah? Sound good? Um, C, spaceship. The views would be great from the spaceship. Marcus, great. Spaceship, noted. Well, the majority were right. Um, I would definitely go um, for the treehouse. I think I couldn't work out whether the spaceship would be extremely claustrophobic. Um, it would be quite small, and I could see everything but not really be able to do anything, which would not be a very fun holiday. I, could, I would be nearer heaven. Um, but um, heaven's going to come here, so I'll be fine. Um, um, B, underwater mansion... I don't even understand what that means. So <laughs> if that's what you want, I don't understand who you are either. Um, but obviously, the best option would be a five-bedroom treehouse. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? Um, and the reason why, particularly, I would love it is because I love trees. Um, trees are really, really amazing. Um, Someone, when I said this earlier today, someone caught up with me later on today and was like, I also love trees. And next time you're in Epping Forest, just imagine that the trees that you're near, Henry VIII was like riding through next to that very tree on his horse. So that's a freebie for you next time you're in the forest. You can think about Henry VIII. Um, 
But trees have been there for ages. They renew the atmosphere with their, because they oxygenate the atmosphere. They also allow lots of other um, animals and plants to grow up around them and create a beautiful forest. Um, and they're also really important in terms of their roots in stopping land slipping away. So in areas where there's been deforestation, you quite often have a lot of problems with farming and planting of stuff because you don't have the trees that are literally stopping the soil from slipping everywhere. So really important. And my invitation to you this evening is that you too can be a tree. Woo! Um, I want to be a tree because um, I think Jesus wants us all to be trees. Um, and the alternative is not great because the alternative is being tumbleweed. That was my tumbleweed moment. Um, Don't be a tumbleweed, be a tree. So we're going to read um, from Colossians. We're going to start at the end of chapter 1. It's on page 1183. We're going to start at verse 28 and read through. And I'm particularly going to talk this evening from verse 6 and 7, which is the tree analogy. So, starting at verse 28 of chapter 1. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Amen. Bit long and complicated, isn't it? And I've read this passage quite a lot of times this week, thinking, okay, where do I go? Where do I go? Because there's so much in there. Um, and the whole book of Colossians is an amazing book. It's encouraging the church that was in Colossae um, in the early days after Jesus. When the persecution was quite bad, um, Paul's writing this, I think, from prison. Um, so Paul's having a tough time. But he's writing to the church to encourage them. And he says, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the tree bit. 
the roots down. We've got to build our roots down into Jesus. And then we grow strong. We grow up. We grow out. And the fruit that comes from that is a thankfulness. It sounds good, doesn't it? That's the way I want to live my life. I want to be strong whatever comes my way. I want to be rooted in Christ so that I know what I'm standing on. And I want to be always thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, for all that's around us. That's the way I want to live. But it's not that easy. Sometimes it's not very easy to stay rooted in Christ. Particularly in our culture, our culture is not all bad. So please don't hear me saying that, you know, everything outside of that little wall there is totally bad. Because, of course, that's not true. And there are many wonderful people there. There's many wonderful aspects to our culture that we can really celebrate. But actually, a lot of our culture is not designed to bring us nearer Christ. A lot of it is, in fact, designed to make us consumers designed to make us hungrier for more stuff, whether that's food or clothes or likes or whatever it might be. And then that becomes our goal. That's where our roots are. They're in the world and not in Christ. And our culture wants to tell us all the time that there's the greater thing to live for in our lives is ourselves. Sometimes I look at buying like trendy um, slogan t-shirts. So many of them, I'm just like, ooh, theologically not right. <laughs> so, so I don't. Um, and, but so many of the things we see, all you know, trendy hashtags, all of these things that are around in our culture is all about me. Got to put yourself first because no one else will. You've got to sort out number one, and then if you've got a bit of spare capacity, then you can help someone else. But woe betide you if you don't look after yourself first. And if you're unhappy, that is a serious, serious problem that you need to deal with any way that you can. Maybe by consuming more stuff. Maybe the new iPhone is going to make you happier, or actually going on this diet is going to make you happier. Buying these clothes is going to sort that out for you. But what we fail to hear in our culture is the message of the gospel, that actually those things don't satisfy. And that's why Paul says very plainly, these things are hollow and deceptive. The best analogy I thought of something that's both hollow and deceptive is a really great looking Easter egg. You know what happens. You bite in, you're really excited, and then it's hollow inside. And in fact, the chocolate is a bit cardboardy, and the whole thing looks gorgeous. Maybe they put some gold spray on it. They do that now, don't they? Make them look super shiny. Maybe some dried raspberries. Make it look great. And then you take a bite, and it's hollow, and doesn't taste good, and it's totally unsatisfying. That's a bit what it's like when we get drawn in to these cultural things. It's like having the world's most disappointing Easter egg. And actually, Paul says more than that it's just hollow and deceptive to live that way. He says, actually, we're going back into slavery. Because he's talking to Christians here. 
Sometimes we think that the only people that are in captivity are those who haven't found Christ yet. And there's certainly a sense that as soon as we give our lives to Christ, we're born again and Jesus sets us free. And I fully believe that. But what Paul is saying here is a bit different because he's saying that happened to you and now you're backtracking back into the prison. I used to work with young people and, um, who were mostly homeless or coming out of care and that kind of thing. And a few of them had been in prison and most of them didn't want to go back. But you know, the sad thing really was when you met one that did want to go back in. I'm sure you've heard these stories because unfortunately in these days, I heard a story this week of someone who said, well, you know, at least I don't have very much to worry about anymore. At least I'm not on the streets and I'm going to get fed. But for these young people, actually, they were living um, in the facility that I was managing and things weren't that easy. But they had their freedom. They weren't in prison and unable to do what they wanted. But a couple of them just couldn't deal with the sense of freedom and would rather be in prison. Isn't that sad? But Paul's saying that some of us are like that too. It's a bit like the prodigal son when he gets given those wonderful robes when he has that beautiful reunion with the father. And then after a few days of wearing the robes, he's like, ooh, I'm not, I'm not sure if they're really me. Um, I'm going to go and get back in the clothes that I was wearing when I was feeding the pigs, even though they really stink and I look rubbish. Because he wasn't quite... had the mentality of being who he was in that free place. And that's what Paul is saying. All of you, all of us who know Christ, we've been set free. We've been given those robes to wear. We're in God's family. And we've got the marks of being in his family. We've been adopted. And yet, there are some of us, because of those things that are hollow and deceptive, they're so shiny that they're drawing us away. So I wonder what it is for you. What's the shiny thing that's drawing you away? Thinking about culture is actually quite a deep question because culture isn't just flat, is it? Probably each of us are engaged in different things in our culture um, based on your age and your generation and your likes and the way that you live your life. Actually, the culture that you encounter is a bit different. So I can't tell you what it is that's going to be luring you away. I've given you a few ideas to think about. But Paul says, don't do it. He's really clear. Don't get stuck there. We can be fooled into thinking that our unhappiness is the worst thing that can happen to us. But actually, in the gospel, we know that our unhappiness whether we experience it or not, it's always going to be temporary because we're always aiming for something bigger, something eternal. So I'm not saying if you're unhappy, it doesn't matter because it does matter and actually God cares. But it's also not the end of the story. We don't have to be stuck in that place where the biggest thing that we want in our lives is pleasure because actually God is saying to us, that is actually another one of those shiny things and what you need to be rooted in is Christ. If relationships 
are tricky. So much in our culture says, if it's not working for you, then just move on. Just move on. And of course, I do believe that there is a time for us in different kinds of relationships to say that enough is enough. But our default should be that we're faithful in relationships, faithful friends, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. That actually, it's not all about our own satisfaction, but we recognise that we're part of something bigger. Our culture is lying to us. Because when we are rooted in Christ, that's when we grow up. And Paul says at the beginning of the passage, he's aiming that we're all mature, that we're all mature trees in this forest together, rejuvenating the planet through what we do. But if we follow the lures of the world, we end up being a tumbleweed. Um, I found out about tumbleweeds this week. They're an actual thing. I always thought it's just an emoji, um, but <laughs> apparently it's not just an emoji or like a thing. It's an actual thing. Um, it's if you're in a desert and you've got a plant that it's very, very dry, it gets so dry that the wind comes and it just snaps the stem of the plant, so then all of this bush just rolls around. And it's totally detached from its base. And Paul is saying to us, if we follow the lies of our culture that are saying, look after yourself, don't worry about anyone else, don't worry about anything spiritual, unless it makes you feel really, really good. But those things are hollow, they're deceptive, and they lead to captivity. They lead to you actually being a tumbleweed, and if we think about even like the comedy version of a tumbleweed, the tumbleweed is basically awkward, irrelevant. There's total barrenness around a tumbleweed, which is why it's quite funny. Um, but we need to be careful because if we don't dig our roots deep, then we're going to go dry and then, who knows? Hopefully never, but there's a possibility that one day we'll just tumble away. But it wasn't only Paul who wrote about trees and bushes and being um, rooted. Jeremiah also wrote about this, so it's before the time of Jesus. But we're going to look at it because um, Jeremiah writes, I think the phrase is, a barren, a bush in a barren place, something like that. It's on page 777 if you want to turn there, but I'll read it. It's Jeremiah chapter 17. And it ties in quite nicely. Starting at verse 5, it says, This is what the Lord says Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Which do you want to be? I don't want to be a bush in the wasteland. Sounds too much like tumbleweed to me. 
I want to be a tree planted by the water with my roots going deeper and deeper into Christ. But what's especially interesting about this passage is that if you imagine this tree planted by the water, there comes a time of drought in this water. The stream dries up for a while. But actually, for the tree that is planted by the water, it doesn't actually phase it because it's strong enough to weather the storm like a tree can weather the winter and it looks dead, but then the spring comes and then suddenly life comes again. We can be the same. You might go through a tough time when everything looks dry, but if we stay rooted in Christ, then when the rain comes, and the stream fills up again, we're going to bear fruit, and it's going to be fantastic. So how do we do it? I hope I've convinced you that you don't want to be a tumbleweed, Um, but if you want to be a tree, how would you go about that? It's all about Jesus. It all starts with relationship. I don't know if you noticed when I was reading through that passage But Paul just keeps on talking about Jesus all the time. He is the one we proclaim so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Christ is a mystery of God and mystery doesn't mean something that's hidden but something that's revealed. Christ is the one. It's all about Jesus. And if you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus, it's the best decision you could ever make to say yes to God to say, actually, I want to be planted by that stream to grow strong in life and in faith. But if you do know Jesus and you feel like you've taken one too many bites of that disgusting Easter egg and you want to come back to being planted by the streams, we're going to pray in a few minutes' time and I'd really encourage you to just search your heart and say to God, would you just show me where I've been drying up, where I've been withdrawing from being fed by you. Because Jesus can give us all that we need. Paul is contending strenuously, and we can do that for each other as well. We can be praying for each other, doing all that we can to bring each other along in maturity. If you're not in a small group, that's a great way of growing in maturity and having people that will contend on your behalf and pray for you. If you haven't been baptised, Paul talks again about baptism being a really key moment and it fits in, doesn't it, with a water kind of theme that we say, yes, I want to be in Christ. I want to go through that water of baptism and be cleansed and start my new life properly. It matters what we're positioned for, because all sorts of seasons come. But if we're positioned in a wasteland that's all centered around us, then when things dry up, they really dry up. But if we're rooted on the banks of the river, even if things don't look great for a while, it doesn't need to bother us so much 
because we know that God is faithful. We trust in him. We keep on digging down into the riches of life that he's got for us. And then the blessing comes. Jesus talks about being that water of life and the Holy Spirit filling us. And that's what I want to end with. So um, I'm going to read again. You can turn to it if you want, but you don't need to. It's just a few verses from John chapter 7, where Jesus tells us that he is the water that we need. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. We can be conduits of that water for other people. We don't always just have to be the ones who are drinking it up, but we too can be giving that water, that Holy Spirit refreshing water to other people. Because Jesus is living in us. Jesus is the one. Freedom is being rooted. I was thinking this evening as we're praying about chains being broken off, sometimes we can think that freedom is doing whatever we want whenever we want it. But to be honest, to me, that just sounds like being a tumbleweed. The tumbleweed can go wherever it wants, but there's not a lot of life there. Being adrift is not freedom. Actually, what freedom is, is being rooted. And we choose where we're rooted, but we choose to press in. And those roots are not chains. They're roots that we choose to dig down into Jesus, that keep us steady in whatever comes our way. And that's the truth of how to live not according to what the world might say is the best thing at the time or what we read in some inspiring article, the Bible is going to tell us. And the Bible tells us that what we need is Jesus.